All right, Mike, I think we're on. Welcome to the Golf Podcast Live with your hosts, Raphael Calamat and Michael Bleakley. Man, do we ever have a lot to talk about today. We've got the Honda Classic, uh, the Collegard Classic, I believe, with the Champions Tour event. We got Bryson info, Phil info. We're going to be in Florida. We'll be in Arizona, I guess. Uh, talk about Zach Johnson, Ryder Cup captain. Pretty, pretty wild. Bay Hill this week, Puerto Rico. Adam Shipnuck, eh? That's really interesting, too. But before we get started, I just want to thank all the viewers and listeners that have stayed with us. This is episode number 22. And uh, we're thrilled to let you know that we're still on. We're still here, Mike. <laughs> Our special guest today is us. We're, we're the uh, main topic here, Mike. Hi, Mike, how are you doing today? I am doing good. I'm doing good. It's a dry Monday out here in BC. I'm ready to talk some golf. Yeah, it's freezing here in Toronto. For those of you who don't know, the difference between Vancouver and Toronto, I'm in the greater Toronto area in a suburb city called Mississauga. And, um, yeah, we're a couple of thousand kilometers apart. It's, a, it's pretty long yeah, ways, and there's snow and ice on my end. Uh, not here. We've had some, but uh, it's been a little bit colder last week, but uh, the golf courses are open out here, and uh, it's the place to live, southern B.C. Yeah, still trying to make my way out to Florida, for those of you listening or watching. I'm available. <laughs> available. <laughs> Look, we got some great guests coming up in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I'm glad this will be a good time for us to kind of recalibrate, talk about what's happened with our guests, what's happening in the world of golf, give our opinions. You know, by no stretch of the imagination are we experts in the golf game. We kind of are. <laughs> you know, 25 plus years around the game of golf, uh, worked in the biz for many years. So I'm looking forward to talk about stuff. How about the Honda? The Honda Classic out in Florida, Palm Beach County. What a crazy, beautiful course. Great field. You know, some of the big names weren't there. You know, people are getting ready for Bay Hill. They're getting ready for Sawgrass. You know, Kepka was there. It was nice to see his brother. Them playing together in an, in an event. An unlikely win, winner. Mike, your thoughts? Well... Again, we see a first-time winner. Seth Straka was three years ago. His best finish was tied third. So here he came. He hung in there. He persevered and uh, ended up uh, playing a pretty strong finish and, and, and through some wild rain. Like how interesting. Uh, for me, playing golf in BC, I played a lot of golf tournaments. Um, I've experienced that type of rain, and it, it, it is really unnerving. So I enjoy seeing the pros get soaked like that uh, unexpectedly. And look at Shane Lowry, you know, played a beautiful game all week. He loses his concentration on his last tee shot, runs out from under that umbrella, tried to get that ball off as quick as he could and ends up hitting a terrible worst tee shot of the week, I recall the announcers saying. Yep. Now, that was just, he got out of his routine, he rushed it, and may have cost him the tournament. Yeah, he said he kind of he felt kind of unlucky. I'm going to paraphrase him, that, you know, he kind of threw away the tournament, uh, he got a bad break. But that being said, you know, Seb Straka, 
Look, he hit it 340 yards, probably longest drive of the tournament, placed himself in a great position uh, to go for it. And he was unflappable. All the other guys, Kitayama, you know, uh, all the boys playing within that, that last two groups were kind of trying to stay under the umbrella, trying to stay dry. And meanwhile, Sepp Straka steps up. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's a big kid, <laughs> six foot three. You know, he's an Aust the first Austri Austrian on tour to win. And a lot of people ask him about that. And, he, you know, he sounds like a southern boy. I think he grew up in Georgia. He's, uh, I think he's a Georgia bulldog, right? Yeah, his mother is from Florida. So right. He's, um, you know, but this is big for Austrian golf. I'm sure there's a lot of golf fans over there who were pretty excited to see him uh, pull this off. Yeah, and he, he was asked about that, about the, you know, do you feel like you're, you know, it's a win for Austria, is it a win for, you You know, he said, my friend put it to me this way, you're 100% Austrian and you're 100% American. <laughs> you, could, you could tell, his, his mother's American, and uh, so that's really good for him. For those who don't know, Sepp is actually short for, there's a fun fact, for Joseph. Sepp is a, uh, like a nickname mm -hmm in Austria for Joseph and uh, he's it's first win on the PGA Tour you know he's the first Austrian to do it again Shane Lowry I really thought he was going to take it but this went sideways for Berger a five shot lead a five shot lead coming into the tournament everybody knows the bear trap you never know what's going to happen um, with those final you know four holes but 15 of 18 holes there's water in play and we're not talking about little ponds these are like lakes <laughs> it, it is uh one of the hardest courses on tour uh, and in burger didn't get caught by the bear trap he he he, he got caught on the first par five makes seven on a par five and really that's like losing three shots to the field uh and you look at his scores uh field for him 65 65 69 five shot lead uh, which he squandered so he's going to feel shame for a little while in, in my opinion and you know i know what it's like to screw up a golf tournament and um you know he you know he will learn from this he's a great ball striker he was just not making the decisions uh, he needed to make uh, on sunday and uh, still had a shot i mean had he made eagle on 18 we may have a different story right now. It might have been epic, but uh, again, you got Lowry and this uh, new guy, Kitayama. You know, he's played on uh, many tours, and, you know, it could have been his. You know, it could have really went any way in the last few holes there. So it was an exciting finish. Again, the rain is an element from a spectator, uh, in my opinion, is great to watch. So, um, yeah, that's golf. As we say all the time, it's a hard game. Anything can happen. So, uh, and, and there's a lot of great stories in, in here as well. Like Nick Taylor opens with 77 and bounces back, barely made the cut. Uh, and he comes back for a T-16. Right? Uh, you know, we got to commend that. Yeah, you know, that's well put. You know, Nick Taylor, in fact, uh, did shoot something like a 77 in the first round. And then he made up like 12 strokes over the course of the tournament as well. So that was pretty interesting to see. 
I'm going to just fix up our stream here, Mike. It looks like we're frozen, so if, um, if you could just continue with, with that topic, that would be great. You know, uh, we don't have a producer, everyone, so we're, uh, we're working off of our own computers. <laughs> so bear with us <laughs> as we do this. I just pulled well, up a document. It looks like I, I, we froze up, but I could hear you, so I'm thinking it's recording, but we're just frozen up. Okay, look at that, Raf, and then I'm going to dive into Adam Svensson's performance. And, you know, he faltered a bit on Sunday, 73, and, and you could say that for Saturday, too. He was uh, 71, 73 after shooting 69.5. But still, he's a tie nine. That's $194,000 paycheck for him, uh, some FedEx points. Uh, so he's got to take positives from that. Um, Mackenzie Hughes didn't have the greatest showing, tie 48. Um, you know, and uh, Taylor Pendrick uh, finished at one under T, the T25. So that's not terrible. Obviously, they wanted to do better than that. Um, but, you know, again, that's golf, and you're not going to have it. This is a difficult golf course. Uh, it was a fairly low winning score when you, when you look at it. Uh, you know, Strack against a 10 under. It's the only one to do that. Um, you know, you, you got, uh, you know, tie ninth is minus two. So, you know, there it was a very difficult course to score this week. So as it historically has been, uh, produces, uh, you know, typically the winner is a, a, a great ball striker, um, but it has to be on that day, you know, that week, you know, a short game putting, uh, this is, it's a tough course and it's fun to watch. And we did have a decent field. Uh, you know, it would have been great to have a few more of the top players there, but uh, there was a great handful of them, you know, as they prepped for Bay Hill and uh, Sawgrass coming down the pipeline. We're in the sweet spot of golf in this lead up to the Masters. So uh, I, I think, um, you know, it, 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 we're, we're, we're set for a great month of golf here in March. That's great. I think we're back visually. Uh, our audio has always been going on good. Look, Mike, you've made some very good points. Look, Shane Lowry, I thought he was going to take it. Adam Svensson obviously fell off the wagon, and um, he was doing really, really well. Um, you know, kudos to Rex Hoggart, who kind of covered Svensson and got the audience to get to know them. I think there's the, the, the PGA Tour has finally caught on with the amount of Canadians that have been on tour because the amount of coverage that we've got, not only in podcasts, I've, you know, I've heard the boys on the first cut talk about it uh you know they had a national anthem song on one of their podcasts and we they had to guess which uh which country it's from and it was the canadian national anthem so that was pretty cool every week they play the national anthem on tuesdays and you have to guess uh, the the uh, the anthem and the player they're thinking about so it's you know it's one of mark immelman's little uh inserts into that podcast but as well you know for the commentators the announcers to talk about Mackenzie Hughes and to talk about Sloan and to actually get give them coverage was was a nice change because you know for the longest time we're always saying where are the Canadians even when they're contending or hit great shots or there's you know so I feel that um, there's a there's a change in the tide but uh, Kitiyama uh, a quick uh, note on Kitayama. We'll get back to the Canadians for sure. But Kitayama finishes third. He makes five hundred plus thousand dollars. I don't know what the exact amount is, but that really frees him up. I heard he's played 
11 different tours, right? I didn't even know there were 11 different tours. I can't even think, I could probably mention eight, um, probably smaller tours, right? And then that gives them entrance for Puerto Rico this week. You know, a top 10 there, you know, your whole life and the trajectory of what you're doing changes because it costs so much. Well, you made 552K for third place. Finish. Nice. So that is, Solo third. That, that is great money for uh, a rookie on the PGA Tour. That gives him uh, some money to continue going. I, I have no idea what his financial position is like. Yeah. But uh, we all know uh, how expensive it is to, to ride the tour. So cause he's into the Puerto Rico Open, which is a lesser field. So it'd be interesting to see what he does this uh, this coming week in that event because uh, uh, you know it's tandem. You know, Bay Hills happening, so most of the guys, the top players are there. So he's got a chance to perhaps earn his tour card if he places high next yeah. week and more invitations. Uh, um, yeah, he's a solid player. He's a very solid player. Yeah, I, I really like his swing. I like everything about uh, the kid. He's really great. Um, and then, uh, you know, speaking of, there's two things I want to talk about. There's uh, Bryson DeChambeau. And there's, uh, there's the fact that these players that are not getting compensated, the lesser known players, because we know at the beginning of the week, we've got 144 to 156 players starting up every week. None of Most of those players will never you know, see the kind of money the top players do. However, they, they pop up once in a while. We're getting a lot of first-time winners. And I'm really congratulating the PGA Tour for stepping up and giving, you know, if you play 15 events on tour, you get a $50,000 bonus. And some people have said that's stupid, but I just feel that, well, maybe for the top players, it's, it's, uh, it's chump change. But for a lot of these guys, that's how much they're spending in travel, hotel, food, whoever they're bringing on board, whether it's family, their team. Uh, so much goes into the fact that this is a traveling circus. These guys need to get around. It's not easy. And so that $50,000 probably goes a long way. And, um, and some people are saying, well, they don't deserve it. Where's the entertainment value? Why should they get paid? Well, if you look at NBA, NHL, um, MLS, or any any of the sports, these guys, whether you're benched all season or you're a backup goalie or what have you, get paid a salary. And they don't have to worry about their travel expenses, right? Um, there's a lot to be said about that. If a pro hockey player, football, doesn't matter, basketball, if that player individually is on a slump, not performing to their capabilities, they still get a paycheck uh, on PGA Tour or, or any professional golf, tennis included. Um, you uh, you only win, uh, you only earn what you win. So you have to perform. And it's an unbelievable amount of pressure that comes along with that. So, um, you know, and most golfers uh, understand how that works and, and appreciate that so you giving fifty thousand dollars sort of the pga tour giving 50k for the journeymen who want to make sure they play 15 or more that really helps that helps the guys who are grinding and driving from event to event and uh, trying to save money you know they have their caddy costs 
their hotel, yeah. um, you know, therapists, uh, you know, trainers, whoever they decide to bring along. And the lesser uh, player will not be able to bring as big of a team as the top players because they just don't have the money to do it. Um, you know, luckily technology allows them to stay in touch with the swing coaches or uh, uh, sports psychologists, uh, whoever they may have on their team. So that that's a, a bonus compared to what it might have been, you know, decades ago. But um, 50k is nothing to sneeze at for uh, for most people. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And there's so many different players. I mean, not only are there the guys who make the cut, um, and that's a big deal for them because they cut, they get a paycheck between ten and fifteen thousand dollars. Those last places, you know, could make a world of difference. But then you have the guys who are Monday qualifiers. That's always a great story, right? Um, these guys, absolutely. You know, these guys might make, you know, a certain amount of money that might help them for the rest of their season. Keeps their dream alive, gives them a feel of what it's like to be on the big stage. Yep. And so that's pretty exciting to watch. I find that's really entertaining. And But that, these stories, it'd be great if there was a lot more profiles. You know, If the guys who do analysis or the teams that put together uh, video footage, it would be exciting for the audience to see or get to know the players a little bit more. Because like my friend Mark Zacchino's always said, this is the 1% of the 1%. I love that saying because these guys are the best. The guy who's finishing last is an incredible player. What's his story? Where is he from? How did he get to where he is? These are all things that we all want to know and we'd like to cover. Um, however, there's not enough information. but it, it, it And it kind of gets us away from being bored of watching some of the footage, right? You could do split-screen analysis, have a player like they do with the commercials, right? You have the commercial playing and you still have the actual footage so you don't miss the key shots or the key groups and then maybe just do a profile on the players. And do, they're doing that a little bit more every tournament. I know the uh, DP World Tour, formerly the European Tour, walked with the players during the round and talked to them off the tee going to their next shot on a par 4 or 5 or even a par 3. And you get to know the players a little bit. I'm starting to see a little bit more of that. Well, I don't know if you caught uh, the last hole when, when the rain uh, was uh, rolling in in Florida. Uh, Nota Begay made me laugh my ass. <laughs> uh, he had his umbrella and he was skipping down the fairway. Yeah, yeah, soaking yeah. wet. And, uh, you know, I thought that was pretty humorous uh, for Nota. I've been, you know, obviously we've been watching him for years, but... Um, just I want to circle back on Monday qualifier, uh, Martin Contini. Yes. And you're wondering, who is this guy? Yep. So he gets in on Monday, and he's 68, 70, 70, 72, finishes uh, tie 16th and makes $106,000. Uh, this guy must be on top of the moon right now. Absolutely. You know, Monday after this. And um, doesn't get him into uh, this week's event, but still uh, – don't know his financial position either, but $106,000 is going to give him uh, the money to continue uh, chasing his dream. So, you know, shout out to Martin Contini. Yeah, yeah. I uh, His name escaped me earlier. I was going to drop his name when we were talking about Monday qualifiers. And, but, you know, he was a good story. They talked about the fact that he might have gotten a top 10 finish. And um, But it was, it was great. You know, the bear trap is always fun to watch. 
You know, South Florida is really interesting. You know, they've been playing that tournament there since 2007. And um, it's, it's very exciting. You know, the weather is, is great. And um, even when the storm rolls in, they, you know, I love the fact that they pushed them to play because there was no, I guess there was no uh, electricity in the, in the air, right? There was no yeah. chance of There's any no kind lightning. of lightning, no lightning or thunder. Yeah. And uh, so you got you got to play it out, and it was amazing how well it was draining. I mean, it was a downpour. Yeah. <laughs> and um, but to your point of, of funny stories, I'm just going to skip to the Colgard Classic up in Tucson, Arizona. Miguel Angel Jimenez. I can't say it the way he says it. If you try to say his name ton, ten times fast, you trip over the, the oh, guy. No. I was crying because he tries so hard to, you know, speak English, but he's so confident, even though his English isn't that great. When uh, when Cook interviews him, or the cookie they call him, uh, he just, the things that come out of his mouth are hilarious. He's so confident. He's so out there. And I said, there's nowhere way in, ha in hell he's going to put on that conquistador helmet with his cigar and, and uh, wear it. And he did put it on his head. Those pictures floating around social media, I had a great laugh this morning. And I know he's been controversial, right? He's, he's oh, been controversial, but the, the guy, you know, he's a, it shows that he's loving life, enjoying golf at his age and what he's doing and accomplishing. Gets two holes in one. Two. And it's been done nine times on tour, which I just found out this morning. I didn't even think that was a stat. Nine guys. But he's been he's been kind of controversial, right? Oh, he's riddled with controversy, <clears throat> and again, like gotta be honest, he's something about him annoys me uh, <laughs> to watch. But I I do like the personality in the game because uh, he's he's got a huge ego. He does not give a shit about what anyone thinks of him. Has his most ridiculous warm-up session on the range with a eight-inch cigar hanging <laughs> out of his mouth. You know that's his that's his profile pic on on his Twitter account. Is him squatting down in a ninety-degree position with both hands on his knees and with a cigar looking to the side. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, he doesn't care what anyone thinks about him. He does what Miguel Angel wants to do, and. Uh, um, you know, listening to his post-round interview, it sounded like he had a bunch of marbles in his mouth and he was trying to speak English. I, I, had to I dared you. On it. I dared you last night. Don't look at the subtitles and you tell me what he's saying. Right? You can't Don't... tell. You can't tell, but you can tell that he's extremely confident in himself, <laughs> a hint of arrogance. And again, he just doesn't care. doesn't give a rat's ass about anybody thinks about him. And he just does what he wants to do. So you, you got to respect that. And um, Mike, can you imagine imagine sitting with him at the dinner table after a couple of drinks, what, and him trying to speak English? Oh, it would be painful be, to listen you know, to. <laughs> I would be rolling on the floor. But you know, that being said, don't get me wrong. I actually enjoy it. You know, it brings me back to the days of you know, and we're not that old. Are we that old? Um, we're forty eight. No. 40, 47, 48. Were you 49 yet, Mike? 48, fuck. You know, so 48. Down there. So 47. I'm turning 48 in early April. But it brings me back to the days of old where there was a lot more characters on the golf course, both in like style and attitude. 100%. And, you know, bring me back to the Lee Trevinos. And, you know, even Arnie had his own aura. Yeah, and uh, 
it, it was a little bit different. These days, every, it's more of a cookie-cutter kind of college-university player coming out, and they're saying all the right things. But we do have our, you know, our Patrick Reeds and and our, yeah. uh, you know, even John Rahm, I find, as a character. There's something about the Spaniards where they have a little bit there of a is. chip on their shoulder. Now, whether it's embedded into their tradition or how they grew up and they come off that way when they speak English... Or they're just that confident, you know, because we spoke about Sergio Garcia. We talked about Olafabo. I found that he was he was kind of soft spoken, but he was confident, right? And um, you know, I'm, I'm, a couple of people are escaping me. Rafael Cabrero Bello right now on tour, doing really well on the European tour. Uh, Sevi. Obviously, was very confident, you know. Oh, yeah. No, very um, cocky to a degree. But then again, that's uh, what drove him to, yeah. to have the success he had. And uh, you mentioned Olaf Fabel, who uh, seems like a very humble uh, compared to a lot of the Spaniard golfers. But uh, extreme performance, like the talent in him. And as I mentioned before, I really admire the fact that uh, there's one tournament uh, on, on the former Euro Tour he was told not to play. He had a nasty flu, and his doctor said, you know, you're not playing golf, and disregards that, goes out and wins. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like Michael Jordan-esque, you know, and he's, uh, uh, he's done the same thing when in the playoffs and, and the Tacoma Championship at, with a flu. So, you know, these uh, there's some great Spaniard golfers, and, you know, it, you talk about the characters of the game in, in what's uh, since somewhat we lack these days, uh, like Chichi Rodriguez and, and the and uh, you know you mentioned Lee Trevino, we we do need a little more of that. You know, quirky swings, quirky characters, uh, entertainers, right? Like we are entertained by the quality of golf, and there's unbelievable depth I think in the tour now, yep. and lots of new names coming up uh, week after week and year after year, and I think we're still in the the first wave of this. There, yeah. next decade we're going to see a lot of young golfers. Uh, as they mature uh, uh, coming onto the scene. And, and again, this is uh, credit to Tiger Woods and what Tiger's done for the game because these kids grew up following and loving Tiger and watching this and getting hooked on this game. So we're in the first uh, decade uh, of this onslaught of young players. Yeah. Uh, you watch over the next 10 years, uh, there's going to be a lot of guys like uh, Kitayama and, and Contini coming out on tour and surprising us with, with amazing talent. We're, we may not see another Tiger Woods for for quite a while because, you know, it's such an amazing record, but we're, we're going to see some spectacular golfers come up. No, I agree. I agree with you uh, wholeheartedly. Um, look at, uh, speaking of characters, uh, and going back to the Honda, Rory Sabatini, you know, uh, first, <laughs> first round lead. You know, the, yeah. the ongoing jokes with people saying the man from Slovakia and there, there's no, you know, because I think he changed his nationality based on the fact, wasn't he, isn't he South African? Anyways, he, yeah, changed, he, he, he changed his nationality based on going to the Olympics and he kind of looks like he's straight out of a Seinfeld episode of Boca Raton, Florida, right? Where he looks like some, uh, you know, a retired mobster. He's with... off the set of Narcos. So you could hear that <laughs> uh, hat and uh, the floral shirt and everything. Uh, He's got game, though. He's got. There's no denying. We can make fun of these guys as much as we want. We could, you know, kind of critique their clothing choices. Not, you know, yeah. shirt tucked, untucked. 
Uh, <laughs> but oh, he's funny. got game, man. He's got game. He's got he still has game. it. He's a solid game. I uh, remember uh, following him for a bit during the President's Cup in Montreal and actually met his wife and uh, talked to her a couple times, uh, you know, on the sidelines because she had got all the uh, international players to wear Montreal Canadiens jerseys. I was so, there. That uh, was in 2007. Yeah, and you were there too. Uh, you know, uh, this was on the Sunday. So, and I ran into her twice and she stopped and chatted with our group a couple times. And, um, you know, so that's a side note, but um it, you know sabatini again is he's, you know he's a hot button player as well right if you remember he's playing with i believe it was ben crane um i mentioned in the comments if i've got that wrong uh who's known to be a slow player and uh Ferrari had enough he went off on the next hole and teed it up and left him play by himself you know it started a bit of controversy for us about 10 years ago and um you know right, so he's, he's an outspoken player and uh so and again we need this type of character in the game. It's, it's um, well, it makes it exciting, makes it fun, makes the Netflix drama that much more exciting. I don't know what people are going to yeah. think at the end of the year when they compile all this together with, you know, Phil Mickelson and Bryson DeChambeau and the, the, the whole, you know, uh, Adam Shipnuck, uh, you know, book coming out. So, you know, we're going to touch on all of that. So let's, uh, let's turn the page, talk about Bryson. Bryson this morning announces on his uh, personal social media accounts that he uh, apologizes. He thanks the uh, Palmer organization and family for the invites and for everything that they've done for him. And he feels that it's probably best to not enter. He's, he said he's at about 90%, which means he's not, a, you know, obviously not 100%, but you know, a wrist is a serious issue. I mean, if his wrist is hurting and maybe his lower back and um, his game's not sharp. It's the smart thing to do. And with all the controversy that's ha happening with the Saudis and his half, I'm not going to say half-assed, but I, I just did, uh, you know, press release saying that, you know, he's going to play where the best players play, which it means, you know, he's playing on the PGA Tour for now. In the future, he's, he's leaving his options open. He's leaving the door open, it seems. But, you know, maybe he doesn't choose his words correctly always. And people write things for these players many times. So who knows if it's directly his thoughts and words. But uh, your thoughts on Bryson DeChambeau? Well, he did sign off. If someone wrote that for it, he must have approved it. And yeah. It wasn't deleted. And uh, it's obvious he's keeping the door open. Right. Uh, he, he's not uh, slandering the, uh, the outside tours. He's not slandering the SGL uh, because he's going to keep that door open. And uh, I mean, you you could dive into that from different angles and say that oh, you should be banning that tour and, or this for many reasons. Um, but you know, these guys, you know, they are independent contractors. It's it's really up to them to pick a lane. Uh, and the PGA Tour is delivering uh, fantastic results for for the for these guys. So um, you don't want to. Uh, pee in the bed you're sleeping in you know for lack of a better term yeah. right they, 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 these uh, you know Nicholson stirred up a lot of controversy uh, about the tour uh, and uh, himself um, partly he's, he's being honest about certain things um, yeah. and you know you should you know, he's being punished for being honest but at the same time a guy like him you know when you're getting paid you know 
tens of millions of dollars to be wearing brands on your shirt and your spokesperson for these companies, albeit might be true statements. You got to be careful with yeah. what comes out of your mouth. When, he gets, when you're a, you know, he's, like I'm sure that. he gets a lot of advice, right? Oh, I'm, I'm sure. But he gets when you're growing, when you're growing up in the spotlight, and let's not kid ourselves. Next to Tiger Woods, Bryson DeChambeau certainly is the the best thing out there for entertainment. Not only for his long drives, but how he's kind of revolutionized the game. And I know people don't like the fact that he's so confident and cocky, but that all being said, he's done a lot for the game. You know, and, uh, you know, just last year, you know, hitting that drive over at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, right? That made headlines, uh, went mainstream, uh, you know, his choice of, you know, fashion, his choice of words, him having his own YouTube channel goes a long way. He's, he's got a lot of followers and he's going to mess up. He's growing. He's not a 50 year old who's gone through life, who has all the life experience and wisdom and knowledge to say the right thing at every time. You know, he's going to lose his cool. He's going to say stupid stuff, as we all do, except we're not under a microscope, right? Yeah. Everybody expects oh. way too much from most athletes, all, uh, to, tell you, <laughs> to tell you bluntly, right, Mike? This is, this is ridiculous, you know? Yeah, uh, well, these, these guys, uh, they're in their 20s. Right. I mean, uh, 48, I say dumb things sometimes still. And, uh, you know, if I was under the scrutiny <laughs> of, uh, you know, the PGA Tour. I uh, remind Mike, you all the time, Mike. I'm like, what do you say? So, um, but yeah, these, these guys are in their 20s and, and they, they do a damn good job. And, and so what if a couple of comments uh, come out uh, yep. in, in society right now? Society is too sensitive as it is. Uh, and people are getting roasted uh, and cancelled if you will yeah because people because would never say the things that, sorry go ahead yeah it's just that's just part of it right now everything's got to come out with kids gloves on it so uh and there's going to be a penalty paid for anyone who slips and um and mickelson showed us oh that. boy it's let's really, let's unpack that right. in a little bit that's really crazy yeah, yeah. man we'll come back to that look i i just to to put a you know to cross our t's on bryson here um, I think he's doing a great job. I think he, he's he's doing good. I think he's a, he's smart. He's a lot smarter than a lot of guys. Uh, is he perfect? No. Uh, but I enjoy watching him. I watch him every time he's on there. I really want to see what he's doing, uh, both with his game and the technology, uh, his his physical speed and power, and how it's influenced the whole tour. And I'm gonna leave the experts to keep on talking about him. But let's give them a, let's give all the players a little bit of a break. Let's let's 100%. always let's show both sides of the story. If you're going to be extremely critical, because most of these analysts, or even you know general people on social media, would never say that to his face or to players' faces. You know, if you can't say in front of their face, then don't say it. But it, but just find maybe find some balance. You know, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, with some criticism, talk about the positives, right? Just b balance it yeah. out a little bit. You know, we, uh, you know, there's a lot of great and now uh, uh, guys out there working the tour, working really hard to get their facts straight, and they're doing a really good job. I found myself entangled in the whole Mickelson thing, and I let my passion get the best of me because you know I saw the guy playing the game for close to 30 years, followed him, watched him play in events, followed his career. He's a family guy. He's done so much for the sport, you know, and, and, um, 
it's it's hard to see. But the, you know, all the guys are doing a great job. A great job. Matt Adams, Gary Williams, you know, even guys like Riggs and Colt Nost, uh, all the guys. Yeah, there's way too many analysts and people to mention, both writers and people on television and through podcasts to, to mention. But you know, I just need. I just feel like everybody's got to lighten up. Yeah, you know, I mean, golf is sort of lacks controversy sometimes. You know, everyone's pretty polished uh, on the whole. So when something juicy comes out, um, you know, it, it's the nature of journalists to jump all over it and gives a, a lot of fodder to talk about. So um, I, I just wanted to circle back on DeChambeau before mm -hmm. we carry on. Um, he withdrew from the Arnold Palmer Invitational. He's the fifth reigning champion to not defend a title on tour. Uh, this season, you know, uh, includes Daniel Berger, Carlos Ortiz, Patrick Cantlay, and Stuart Sink. Um, but by uh, Bart Bryson withdrawing, uh, opens a door for Scott Piercy, oh, who wow. I've met uh, down in Palm Springs uh, at, um, uh, at the American Express Championship. And so there, again, you know, one door closes, another one opens. So that's, um, that, that's just want to finish off with Bryson. So, and again, I'm a fan, I've become a fan of Bryson. Yeah. Like I've, I've always thought the all length irons was kind of ridiculous with the, you know, this massive grips and that, but, um, after watching him the last two seasons and bulking up and I think it's great. It's fun to watch the experimentation and um, he's having good success with it. So, you know, power to him. So keep it up. I agree. So over to Phil. Over to so, Phil. Uh, uh, before, if you're just tuning in and if you're listening or watching us on any of our pla 15 platforms that we're on right now, um, you could support us. If you like the content, you want us to improve the quality of what we're doing, we'd love to get a producer on board at some point in time. We'd love to get some sponsorship. We make no money with this podcast. We do it out of pure passion. We love the sport. We, we've uh, been involved in many different shapes and forms in the golf industry over the last 25 plus years. And so that's why we do this. So you could go to Patreon. Patreon is one of the platforms where you could donate and get some stuff. You can get a hoodie, you can get a mug, uh, a few other things. We're going to be updating all of that because it's a little bit old. However, uh, you know, you could as low as $1.50 a month, you could support us or upward of that. Um, that would be great. That would be, we'd really like your support. We're going to try to get some great guests uh, as we have in the past. And uh, we're going to move forward with the podcast, continue doing this on a week by week basis. Uh, every Monday, maybe we'll change up the format. Um, we'll see how things go. So uh, please support us. You could find us on the YouTube page. If you go under the about area and you could click on the Patreon account. Okay. Let's let's get to Phil Mickelson. Mike, uh, I don't know what to say, uh, but I will say this. He's taking a break to think about everything. It looks like all of his sponsors slowly but surely have dropped him. Callaway's put a pause on their sponsorship with him. One of their one of his bigger sponsors and one of the longest standing relationships with Phil Mickelson. I think they're gonna see how this all pans out. As well as KPMG, a big sponsor of Phil's. That's right. Uh, yeah. Workday. Workday. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so though that's new. 
An expensive week for Phil. Expensive week. You know, I'm wondering what's going through his head. I'm, I, it's probably not easy. You know, he's probably working with uh, Greg Norman and the, the Saudi Golf League to figure out all of what is going to transpire. Uh, word on the street is that Alan Shipnuck is coming out with his book and there's other things within the book that are much, much worse than what's happened. So I... Just wondering about that. Well, the saga will continue, um, right? And, and Phil, uh, 51 years old. Yeah. Um, does he really care about a PGA Tour membership uh, at this point? Right? He's not going to play a full schedule out there, right? And just looking yeah, at. But if he is going to ever do anything, now's the time. And how is yeah. how are how is everybody at the Masters going to treat him? Is he going to be uninvited? You know. This is a private organization. It's not part of the PGA Tour. It's an invitational. They could decide that this is not good press and media for them. Or they could just say, you know what? Those are his personal issues. We're going to honor him as a player and a former winner of the Masters and let him play. But there's going to be a lot of... If he makes an appearance, his first appearance at the Masters, can you imagine? The media scrum? Well, uh, the, 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 the frenzy? <laughs> It's a very likely scenario in reality, and, and uh, the organizers uh, of the Masters, they will not be influenced by uh, pressure from media, from public. They will make the decisions on their own accord, as they've shown in the past by allowing women on the property uh, yeah. or to play. Um, you know, remember uh, years ago when uh, Martha Burke wanted to protest oh, in front yeah. of the, uh, the grounds, and they said, no, thank you. They sent them to a parking lot uh, well away from the golf course to go scream and yell over there. Yeah. And then they allowed women into the membership a couple of years later with uh, Condoleezza Rice. And I um, can't remember who else was on that list right now. But um, they, they made the adjustments at their pace. They're, they're not going to be pressured. So do they want to ban a, um, a Masters champion? Uh, from from the event, I don't think so. I think yeah. Phil, Phil will be uh, invited to play there. But think and, about the uh, flip side of this story, Mike. Can you imagine if you work for a corporation where you try to recruit people within the organization you work for? Well, he doesn't necessarily work. They're independent contractors, but he works for an organization, right? You're, it's almost like you're subcontracted. And then you try to recruit people from that organization to join another league Right. And then there's the whole legacy issue. This, you know, playing these events have a lot of weight to them. You know, all new events would be great with lots of money and options, obviously. But, you know, there's a there's a legacy and a history to all these events on the PGA Tour, especially the majors. And at his age, is this what how his exit looks like? You know, um, like I said, he's he's done a lot for the sport. He issued his apology. A little late I just uh, you know he, sh he should have nipped this a little just a little quicker maybe 40 48 hours quicker <laughs> before it might have helped it, it might have helped but uh, you know I think uh, a press conference is in play because not too long ago you know be it Tiger Woods and I know it was a completely different situation you know he did it to himself he didn't hurt others I mean he he hurt his own image and through that he lost his sponsorship based on the decisions he made and he wasn't affecting other players right so it's a it's a different kind of situation however yeah, that was tiger's personal life that blew up and uh and the media 
jumped on that like uh, you know a kid on a smarty. Um, yeah. And, and yes, this is a different situation because it, it, it you know Phil called out the tour, a uh, bunch of dictators, I believe, um, called the Saudis murderous, heinous people. Yeah. Mentioned uh, he, re- he regrets journalist. like look look and he uh, pulled he pulled back a lot of that stuff. Give it credit oh, yeah. that he you know. He, you know, the things with Alan Shipnuck is, you know, he's saying that it's been taken out of context. I, I, maybe he had confidence talking to him. Maybe he had a few drinks when he called him and talked to him about something. You know, um, Adam Shipnuck says, no, that's not what happened. Uh, you know, he was, uh, there was nothing said to be on or off the record. I just find it strange and timely, you know, with with his comments, releasing his comments and his book. Uh, it's well, it's I a mean, fine line, right? Yeah, from a um, marketing perspective, uh, it's, kind of it's getting attention. So, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a smart play uh, by Shipna. Um, yeah, but, um, you know, I'm intrigued to read the book, which I, I may not have really caught attention to it if this controversy uh, hadn't come out. I mean, I probably would have seen it at some point, but would I be interested in buying it? No, but now I am. So, um, you know, so we shall see because uh, uh, controversy is fun to read about in a lot of ways. So, uh, um, but at the same time, you know, I'm a fan of Phil. I, I like his place in the game. Uh, he's, uh, he's fun to watch as a player. He's entertaining on social media, um, so I, I don't really want to see him stifled and and not out there, you know, in, in the golf realm. So it's a shame that he's got to have to take a hiatus. Yeah. And, and we don't know, has he done something else? Has he gambled all his money away? You know, I'm just speculating. Yeah, who knows what his personal now, but... life looks like, why he made the decisions he's made. He said he's been under a lot of pressure the last two years. We're not going to go into, you know, the statements are getting pretty long, Mike. You know, uh, six pages, or whatever, however yeah. long, or six paragraphs. Sorry, uh, yeah. you know, it's it's uh, uh, it should be called something else. But let me read something Alan Shipnuck put out a few days ago. He wrote a tweet saying, "I'm surprised all these companies are feeling are fleeing Phil." That's weird. Why are you surprised? That's the first sentence. Then he goes on to say, "Saudi Arabia is certainly toxic." But it's also now part of the Euro and Asian tours. Good point. The women play out there also on the LPGA. There's a lot of Saudi ties with all the sponsorship too. I'm not going to get into that because that's a whole Pandora's box. But uh, he says, what were Phil's crimes? Question mark. Hardball negotiations, sure. Disloyalty to the tour? Question mark. Maybe. Profanity? Question mark. Who cares? They don't feel like capital offenses. So I, I just, I think he feels kind of bad. It, it gives me the impression that he, he didn't, I don't think he thought this would be as big as it has gotten. I mean, the New York Times are covering this. It's gone mainstream. Um, it's really blown up, but it looks like he's kind of taken one step back because he's affected someone's life for good. Right? And... Um, He's partially responsible. He should know that he is partially responsible for doing this. But, you know, Phil did it to himself will be the, the other thing most people will say. Um, and that's true, too. That's true, too. 
Well, when you, again, like I said, when you have uh, a fan base as large as Phil's, I, I don't know what his social media following is off the top of my head, but I got to think he's got over a million people following him and every golfer on the planet knows who he is and, and will uh, have interest in comments he had made. Um, so, yeah, it, you know, you just got to watch what you say when you're a brand as big as Phil and it's a shame he's lost those sponsors. I agree. I don't think he should have lost them, and they they're paused. Let's let's clarify. Well, Nike that. stayed. Remember, right. Nike stayed with Tiger. The only I 100%. think it was the only company that stayed with them, right? And I think they reduced the monetization package. Not a hundred percent. You know, to there might have been a temporary reduction on that, but they stuck with him. and they cleaned it up. I mean, Nike's probably got athletes that have done worse things than Tiger did. And Tiger, again, that was his personal life. Um, and, you know, it's not anyone's business to judge what he was doing. Like, he's a human being himself. And um, I admired Tiger a little bit more after that because I remember the, the week before that happened, uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Calvin Noel, um, who was a, a DJ, he, he was admiring Tiger because he said he's the only athlete out there that doesn't have any baggage you know and is a clean clean cut guy and doing good things and literally a week later uh i heard about the accident and i was terrified i'm like oh my god what happened what happened and then you know i started to put my own thoughts together before the uh the facts all started coming out but when you're racing down the driveway in reverse and you hit a fire hydrant um the first thing that comes to my mind was he got caught cheating um and yeah. uh, and then we found out that that was just the tip of the iceberg so you know it, it's uh, got movie of the week uh, yeah the hbo that came out it. which was really strange that hbo came out and then riviera happened and his accident last year the, yeah. you know the way that all coincided once again was strange in itself yeah. um but you know let, let's book. go ahead yeah, I read the book, uh, Tiger Woods, uh, that that HBO um, feature was based upon. Mm. A lot more information in the book. Um, you know, it's an enjoyable read for some reason because, you know, Tiger Woods is uh, uh, a massive personality in our lifetime. He's so, so polarizing. Know. I don't think there's any, anyone, not only in golf, but in sport, who's been as polarizing as Tiger Woods and what he's done and how he's changed everything. Yeah. But that scandal that broke out and is now well in his rearview mirror, fortunately, yeah. um, it's grown a new appreciation for Tiger. Because once he came back, not only did he have the scandal, he had injury after injury, uh, multiple operations this is before the accident. Uh, and um, he had a different tone when he came out. He's laughing a little bit more. You'd see, huge, you'd see his pretty white smile and uh, uh, joking with other players. He looks that great. Wasn't, and he looks yeah, great. Yeah. There's an aura about him compared to the year yeah. previous to that where he didn't seem happy, right? He, did, he no. didn't seem like he was in a good place. No, and, and I um, think, uh, you know, you look back, I've read several books, including uh, the one by Earl Woods, uh, Taming a Tiger. I believe I got it behind me there somewhere. Um, and, uh, you know, they raised Tiger to be a champion. And, uh, and I, I believe he missed out on a lot of stuff as a child. Um, you know, just, you know, they're goofing around with friends and, um, you know, there's a lot of things in it and the no means do I feel sorry or, or trying to, you know, have a pity party. But when you look at it from a rear view mirror, um, 
yeah, there's certain things he missed out in his, in his, in his childhood and his teenage years that, you know, he may have been catching up on, you know. Absolutely. And look, that's it goes back to what we were saying earlier about let's not be so judgmental. These guys, you know, they were very young, you know, the bubble that he, he was in most of his life. And Phil Mickelson, you know, he's been kind of squeaky clean. People have known him to be a different type of person off the course than he is on the course or on camera. And, and yeah. you know, that happens too. He's got an image that he needs to portray or he felt yeah. like he needed to portray. And I'm just going to put a cap on this. He, he, he writes here, Despite my belief that some changes have already been made within the overall discourse, I know I need to be, be accountable. He said, For the past 31 years, I have lived a very public life. And I've strived to live up to my own expectations. And maybe those expectations weren't realistic. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's very difficult. Unless you're Phil Mickelson or Tiger Woods or someone on that level, you, you'll never understand what you're going through, right? You could, uh, and you're going to make mistakes. And when people are just, they're just ready. They're like sharks, you know, in the water. They feel the blood. They're just going to jump on you. And with today's social media, you know, yeah. Uh, click friendly crazy culture people will just say anything because they're not face to face with you and they can make a comment and they could feel relevant and uh, well we're not going to get into the psychology of all that (laughs) but let's put it let's put a cap on it Uh, yeah in in the social media went to you had people like wanted to cancel tiger who didn't even know anything about tiger yeah Uh, and the same thing's happening to phil uh, so, you know, you, you, you can't, uh, you know, get rampant on, on this cancel culture. Uh, yeah, it's hard to weigh opinions. in. It's yeah. hard to weigh in. It's okay to have an opinion on both sides. Yeah. But you, uh, you can't get too harsh. This is what, this is the issue I was having with some, you know, with some writers or people in the industry that, you know, have an influence over what the public thinks. And when you... When you you're just one-sided and you really put somebody on the map as a villain and say some horrible things about them, then the consequences of your of what you've said reverberates not only in the golf community but throughout the world, and so you you do have a social responsibility to weigh in on both sides and give more news than opinion, and that was my whole beef with all of this. Is that people were just so ready to throw Phil under the bus when he is an American hero, and he's a philanthropist, he's a father. Let's not forget he's a human being, right? And I'm not condoning anything he's said or done. I don't know him well enough. But hey, yeah. let's go on on a lighter note, yeah. brother. Good news today: Zach Johnson is the next captain That's right. of the U.S. Uh, team. 2023 they're going to italy they'll be drinking wine and eating pizza <laughs> it's it's yeah. out in rome nobody knows anything about this course or not much about it very little very little but uh, and people do they know how good zach johnson is do they know what kind of depth he'll bring into uh this this team i think he's a great pick i think with 12 wins two majors you know, winning the Masters and the Open. And the uh, Open, yeah. He's played four President's Cups, five Ryder Cup teams. Yeah. He's been an assistant captain. He's, 
I have no problem with that pick, and uh, he his game, you know, it's relatable to me because uh, it's similar to mine. You know, obviously he's a tiny bit better, um, but uh, <laughs> you know, I don't hit it that far. Uh, neither does he. I believe he's averaged two sixty five off the tee when he won the Masters. He's a scrappy um, player. And, but his wedge game and short game is money, and uh, he's got a that extra gear to grind. He's a uh, you know he birdies playoff holes to win, so he he he's uh, he's got a lot of fight in him, and uh, you know I'm uh, I have no problems. I, I think he'll put together a, a good team. Uh, it's interesting to see him in this leadership role. Um, had Phil not made his comments, maybe it was going to be him. Uh, but I think Zach's going to have a put together a good team, a good uh, group of assistant captains, and, and we'll we'll fill the room with the right people. Um, and and I, I think he'll communicate well with the players and, and keep them abreast of uh, of his plans and, and getting them together. Because I mean, look at the base of the players. We don't know exactly what that team's going to be right now, but we've got a great idea. Uh, we could probably pick eight of the players right now who we know are going to be on the team from Thomas and Speed and. Uh, Dustin, uh, you know, but um, who knows? That could all change a little bit. Uh, I, th- uh, I think a lot could happen, time. Mike. We're talking about 2023, working our way up t- to that point. We've got a lot of first-time winners coming up. We don't know what the continuity on a lot of these players is going to be. You know, um, I, I think it's fascinating. He mentioned at today's press conference that he's going to be giving a lot of freedom to the players, much like Stricker did. And yeah. the same style of, of uh, getting a system together. Now, they do have a system or multiple systems in place on how they're going to prepare for the Ryder Cup. Especially, you know, they haven't won a Ryder Cup on the road in, in um, I don't know, 30 years or something. I'm off maybe by a couple of years, but it's been a very long time. And... Um, I think, but I think he's a great pick. You know, they, he was drilled a little bit at today's press conference. So what he thinks about Phil Mickelson becoming an assistant captain or making the team, he said, well, uh, it's too soon. It's too soon. He's answered the questions yeah. really well. Uh, I mean, we're going to get a lot of Phil action. And just to go back to Phil for just a moment, he needs to, he needs to make a press conference. He needs to address every single issue. If he's going to put some water on this, because this thing's on fire right now, and if he goes to the Masters without doing a press conference, it's going to be a disaster. That's all um, they're going to talk about. Uh, yeah, and Masters, it's, it's going to take, take away, away from the Masters. Yeah, absolutely. So I agree. That's that's probably a prudent thing for him to do. Uh, just let everyone ask the questions. Do your best to answer them, and then carry on from this. Uh, usually, with anything in life, they're just you know taking it head on and, and dealing with the issue. Uh, is the way to go, um, you know. So Phil, who knows? But and again, you know, not not to beat a dead horse, but we don't know what he has going on in his personal life. We have really no idea. Um, you know, it might have made through him to say a couple things off the cuff, and he's distracted. Um, everyone thinks that these guys, because they're rich, uh, that they're perfect. They're not. They're just the same as any of us, and so. You know, again, let, let's let's give Phil, uh, you know, the space, and then I, I suspect he'll do the right thing, and and come out and 
address all of this shit. Yeah, you heard of Greg Norman's comments, right? About how this is just the beginning, and I yes. hope your uh, lawyers have been paying attention to what you know Jay Monahan's been saying. It's it's unfortunate, and it looks like a little little battle that's going to be happen. I don't think it's going to be a war. I think it's going to be quickly subdued. Uh, I think the PGA Tour is a great product. I think the players are very happy where they are. Traveling is hard enough as it is within the continent, right? Uh, and going out to WGC events and the Open and other, you know, the co-sanctioned event now in Scotland. Um, well, you know, that makes me think of something Tiger said probably about 14, 15 years ago uh, that, he doesn't necessarily need the PGA Tour. I don't know if you remember that, and I'm paraphrasing slightly, but he referenced the WGC, yeah. the majors, seven sponsorship uh, uh, sponsor invitations. He said with that alone, he doesn't need this, the, the PGA Tour. Plus, now you have the growth of the DP World Tour, taken over the Euro mm -hmm. Tour and expanded. Um, these guys really can get away with playing golf uh, as total free agents and not uh, totally aligned with uh, with every tour. There's enough pro golf in the world now. It's a global game where it's only going to grow further from here. Um, so we'll see how this all matures because those are pretty strong words yeah. from uh, Greg Norman. They're, they're huge. Uh, and he's he's always been controversial in the fact that he's he's always tried to put on a world tour. This goes right way way right back to the early 90s, right? Yeah. This goes back to maybe late 80s even. Um, yeah. You know, he's he's always wanted to make it more of a world tour and do his own thing. Uh, I don't know how much Trump is involved because there's uh, rumors about that as well. And what if these events come into the United States? They're saying it's the Saudi tour, but there's going to be events in the U.S. Now that's going to be interesting to see well, in itself, right? They're also looking at the uh, Pulpit Golf Club in Ontario as one of their venues. I don't oh. know if you caught that last week, but uh, they're looking mm. at an event in Canada. Yeah, it just blew oh. my mind, really. Okay. Yeah, oh, 100%. Huh. Uh, I, I read that last week, so I'm glad that I uh, reminded of that to bring it up. Because, uh, you know, you mentioned travel, and, and it's difficult. No one wants to fly. I, I, I myself, I can't stand flying. Uh, it's, you know, I'll do it. I don't care obviously. if you have a private plane. There's still a lot that goes with it, right? Um, oh yeah. 100%. I mean, it's you know, the, there's the jet lag, and even though that you know, there's a very good chance that people like Ian Poulter and Adam Scott and uh, Lee Westwood, but they're being very careful on what they're saying and not saying. They've all sent mm -hmm. signs, uh, some sort of an agreement. But Callum Marikawa, you know, Victor Hovland, I think a lot of the players that we talk about on a day-to-day -day basis are staying on the PGA Tour. And um, yeah. hey, let's flip well, this over a, a bit, Mike. I, I just want to give a shout-out to all the women in LPGA Tour. They, you know, I'd love to see more events on the LPGA Tour. I think the LPGA Tour is a very exciting. And for the first time on television, we're watching NCAA golf for men, but more importantly, women's golf. You got the uh, Rucker Intercollegiate that's happening right now. Uh, it's in South Carolina. You got 17 schools represented, 17 teams, teams of five in uh, individual and team uh, events over three days. Uh, obviously, Stanford and is a big team that everybody's thinking will take it. They got a huge program, a ridiculous program. <laughs> uh, Wake Forest is one of my uh, favorite teams uh, for many reasons. 
Uh, but the golf course they showed at Long Cove, I, I don't know if you've ever seen any photos or videos of that place. It is tremendous, man. It is an outstanding golf course. And um, I think it's great because it'll finally allow women to be showcased and sponsors could see them and it'll give them a good feel for what the PGA Tour feels like or professional golf feels like if they decide to go in that direction. Because many of these players become are very gr good collegial players, but they go on to do other things in life because of their education, right? But it gives them that option because women didn't have that spotlight. So seeing that over the next three days, so kudos to the Golf Channel and for all the organizers involved on putting that together. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've talked about the LPGA a lot since we started this podcast and uh, had some great female guests on so far. And uh, and we've got another one coming up, Elisa from uh, World Golf Day. Um, she'll be coming up in the near future. And uh, so we're going to get some insights on, on what she's doing to grow the game for uh, uh, women amateurs. Okay. Uh, which is a big, uh, a big thing, you know. Um, so... Uh, but yeah, the LPGA Tour, as we've said many times, uh, it's a killer product, and it's great to see more money going into their purses. Um, we need uh, more coverage, and, and uh, we've talked about hybrid events, uh, more hybrid events. There, there are a couple out there, but um, you know, sharing the stage with 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 the men, you know, uh, could could be a, a very unique concept. Uh, and it would be easy to do. All the infrastructure is right there. So a couple combined events, I think, would would, would be really interesting TV. Because, like, uh, you got some of the best swings on the planet, uh, you know, coming out of Nelly Corda. Uh, and there's so many uh, golfers out there that they, 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 they're all magicians. They, they Some of them are actually very long ball hitters. Yeah. Um, but, but you look at their wedge game, as I've said before, uh, their iron play and their wedge play uh, is is rock solid. So uh, uh, let, let's let's see how it goes from here. Mike Wan, um, uh, you know, uh, left a really good organization, you know, behind here. So so let's see how it goes. Mike, we talked about this, and I'm going to throw it out there. I want the PGA Tour, the Champions Tour, and the LPGA Tour to pay attention. Four day tournament. Here's the idea: four day tournament. On a epic par three course. This way, the the men, women, and seniors could all play from the same tees, and it would be a fun event. Because some of the one of the best things that we look forward to is like the par three contest at the Masters. Can you imagine if you get the yeah. best players in the game all playing together? It could be a charity event, or it could be an actual purse event, huge purse. Can you imagine that? That would inspire so many people because it, it brings everybody together, and they can play on the same level. You got, you know, par three courses or, you know, I grew up on par three courses. We talked extensively last week about par three courses and what it does for the game, how it helps to grow the game. And so uh, an event like that, and it could be a four day event. That would be wild. It could even be um, two days, but two rounds a day. Because it takes less time to play the event, sure. and may, maybe it's a limited field of eighty players from three tours. That's so TV and, friendly, and, right? And they they could they could do that on uh, on a Monday, Tuesday, even so it doesn't impact. I mean, there's there's many ways to do that. You do it in Florida, where most of these players live, or or can get to easily. 
uh, I, I think there's some, some merit there, but I, I would like <laughs> to see an amateur side to that, you know, as an amateur golfer yes. myself. Imagine uh, you could I qualify. Think, uh, Anybody could qualify for the event. Let's get a whole bunch of spots in for the average amateur or professional who wants to play in the event with all these players. That would be incredible. It would sort of be like a big break thing. Uh, it would be so much fun to watch. It's, it would be TV friendly. And you, hear, you heard it here first on the Golf Podcast Live. Get Mike and myself to cover the event <laughs> if this ever happens. We'd love to well, cover it. Maybe we organize it. Yeah, maybe we organize it. Right? Maybe we maybe get some... that's something as we grow that becomes a uh, uh, one of our products that we can put out there. Yeah, we, we might not be able to use Saudi money. No, <laughs> <laughs> we might get, we might get thrown under the bus for that one. But look, the money is a means to an end. I mean, sometimes, look, I, I you know, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there because there's there's too much of a conversation. But let, let's just say if you're listening and you think it's a great idea, we'd love to organize it. I organized an event back in 2000, 99, 2000, 2001 called the Northlands Open. And it was a pro-am. It was a one-day event. It was lots of fun. Um yeah, there's a lot to be said for getting the tours together. So I think that's a great idea, Mike. Yeah, I've organized a few events myself over the years, and um, it's fun. It's definitely a little bit of work. Um, and, but uh, a product like this would be a ton of fun. Not, not the organizing side, uh, absolutely. We need some help. So anyone who wants to help, you know, please contact us. Um, but I would love to play in something like that. So uh, if we organize it, I could give myself a seat. So uh, <laughs> a special uh, shout out to uh, Drinkwell, one of our sponsors that supplies us with uh, drinks, lots of drinks. It's a great beverage, cold pressed juices, a great Canadian company. Um, drinking one right now. There you go. There it is. And then uh, there is obviously uh, Evolve Creative Solutions is helping us with all the marketing. Uh, for all your digital marketing needs, great company. If you want to get a website built, if you need social media help, if you want to create anything on the in the digital world and the landscape of, of the digital world, and of course, you know, helping us get get launching is um, the Upper Hand Cards and Collectibles. They've uh, they've been there from the beginning. They helped us get our equipment together. So thanks to Christian Anderson and the whole team there. Uh, for getting us started but certainly if you're out there and you'd like to be part of this in some shape or form drop us a line you could find us on social media you could find us through our youtube page uh, reach out to us we're open to all ideas all sponsorship and uh, any direction that this show might go and we are looking for a producer someone ah, who's uh, familiar with streaming and understands it because we're raph and i do this by ourselves and uh you know we, we we got it we understand it but uh there are some features that we would like to implement on the show uh that we would need someone behind the scenes who could help roll some video clip and uh, you know maybe pull down some tweets and roll those so so we could uh you know have a live chat about uh you know the stories and golf yeah yeah hey mike any uh final thoughts or uh, mentions well we um we should mention that we have Craig Can coming up next week. So if, uh, if you're still listening, that's uh, 
uh, one of the original 18 from the Golf Channel. Yeah. And we're really excited about chatting with him. Uh, he's a wealth of knowledge about golf, and uh, and uh, so we look forward to hearing about what he's doing now and uh, get some of his input on uh, the latest in, in the sport. Absolutely. We are also available on all the podcast platforms, the majority of them anyway, from uh, Spotify and um, you know, obviously YouTube, and we'll post everything on our Facebook channels, but we're on Podbean, we're on Anchor, we are on the, the Apple Store, uh, Stitcher, you know, most of the 15 platforms altogether, so anywhere you get your podcast, you'll be able to find us, just search the Golf Podcast Live. And uh, please follow our channels. We are trying to get them optimized, and uh, so they, um, they, they they garner better search results in the platforms. And we need you to follow us. So yeah, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thanks for mentioning all that, Mike. Man, we haven't done this enough, where we actually reach out to our audience to follow us on different social media platforms or subscribe to YouTube, which is free, and then you could get a notification whenever we're on. Um, and obviously you could catch our show. It doesn't have to, it is recorded live. However, you can catch up and watch it on your own time on any platform that you want to watch it. And it's an it's an exciting time for us to be able to share our views and thoughts on what's happening in the world of golf and having some exciting guests on. Um, and we're going to be covering a lot of stuff. So uh, stay tuned uh, for... Michael Bleakley in Vancouver. I'm Raphael Kalmat in the greater Toronto area saying thank you until next week. Cheers. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. And we're off. I'm going to keep this on for a few more minutes. And if the, our audience is watching, as we always keep it on because there's a lag in the stream sometimes and we get cut off quickly. So I'm going to. We're officially off, but we're not off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just, Hello? And uh, yeah, we didn't talk about Rob Labritt. So if oh, you're still Rob, on the air, yeah, yeah, Rob Labritt. Uh, he, you know, he double bogeyed the last hole on the final day. He was oh, doing so shit. good, four under. It was killing me. He did, but you know, he's living the dream, right? He's living the dream. He's out there contending well, now, consistently in the top thirty every week. Could have finished, yeah. uh, you know, in the, inside the top twenty if he finished four under. But we're so proud of him, man. Good job, Rob. Yeah, he's making money, and uh, that's yeah. what he needs. He needs to make some money to get onto the next event. He's going to play every event he can. Uh, so yeah, the, uh, you know, kudos to him. We're living vicariously through Rob. So. Yeah, through yeah, we're following Rob yeah. Labritz. You know, uh, make sure you. He's the um, winner medalist of the qualifier for the Champions Tour. We, you know, only five guys get on tour. It's probably one of the hardest tours to get on because this this. This tour is made for the legends of the game, something else the PGA Tour has done. And so, and then you have four qualifiers that uh, make it uh, on a weekly basis because you could do a Monday qualifier. Not all the events, uh, but I think most of the events you can. Yeah, I saw, saw the strangest thing. Mike, last week I saw the strangest thing. I saw somebody go 64 over par last place, one of the qualifiers, I think. Uh, <laughs> over, oh I think it might may very well be the highest score ever. I feel for whoever was paired with that person. Yeah, it must have been painful to yeah. watch. Sixty for whatever the reason is, however you qualified, maybe you got a sponsor's exemption. I don't remember the person's name, 
Uh, I remember looking at the bottom of the leaderboard and seeing, and I don't even think the round was over. I think he was 64 over for four, for three rounds, for three, that's, three rounds. For three rounds. Oh my God. That's, uh, that's, uh, plus tw- that, that's a 20 over par every, uh, every round, but you know, every round for whatever reason, we don't know the whole story to that, why that happened, uh, and how that happened and who that person is. So let's, uh, let's maybe find out more about that. Yeah, let's look into that. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll circle back on it next week. All right. All right, Mike. Thanks.